Hello, and welcome to Home Education Today podcast. I'm your host, Chauncey Lynn Childs, and on this podcast, we talk about challenges, concerns, and joys of providing a first-class education for our children at home. We also discuss methods and experiences with successful home educators, give a voice to concerned public school teachers, and anything else that strengthens our ability to teach and guide and direct our kids as autonomous, empowered, and joyful parents. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Today I'm just going to do some commentary on critical race theory and what it means to our country. I am surprised when I look at um, SEO that there isn't more uh, being uh, looked up that more people aren't researching this and figuring out what it is. It's just become so pervasive in our country. And uh, even teachers, when I talk to teachers, they say they don't, uh, they're not being taught CRT and they don't know what it is. So let's just go through a history of what critical race theory is and why it has mushroomed since the death of George Floyd. And um, first, let me tell you that it's not new. Um, one of the reasons that I took my, my kids out of public education to almost 25 years ago was because of a, of a curriculum that was being adopted by the junior high um, when my oldest son was in seventh grade, um, going into eighth grade in the spring of 1997. Um, I was on a school site council and um, told the story probably before in one of these, in one of these videos. But I was sitting on a school site council and the, um, the administrator um, presented, made a presentation about the new curriculum that was going to be adopted for eighth grade social studies in that school. And to make a long story short, it was, um, it consisted of, of researching all of the negative newspaper articles or journal entries or letters or whatever documentation they could get um, that was negatively um, put, putting the, the Native American tribe that was in the area that we lived at the time in Northern California in a very negative light. They were promoting the idea that all whites hated the natives in that area. And, um, and then, uh, of course, a genocide did occur. Um, not going to, for a moment, say that bad things didn't happen because it was a tragedy was wrong and um, horrific. And I believe it still affects the natives of that area to this day um, in some negative ways, although they do have their own reservation. They do have, you know, they have some reparations there. However, the point of the curriculum was at periodic at period periodic um, intervals the white kids were going to be required to write apology letters to the native american kids in the class and i of course objected to this um, at some future time i'll tell you about my own experience living for two years in a native american alaskan native alaskan village uh, during my high school years and being the only white girl and having kind of a unique insight as to what teaching systemic racism uh, does to a culture and how damaging that is to um, 
anybody who teaches their children to systemically hate another race um, and reject them as, as a person. So um, anyway, I objected to this and of course it fell on deaf ears and the curriculum was adopted and I could not um, participate in that. I was not gonna allow my son to be blamed for something he had nothing to do with and was going to be punished for it. Um, so on we went. Um, uh, we have what is now um, a complete reversal of Martin Luther King saying that he hopes that people will not be judged based on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. Today, the new civil rights says that we have to have racial identities in order to um, erase whiteness, erase the normalcy of whiteness, erase the systemic racism that all whites have uh, as, a, as a legacy of their skin color. So what is, where did CRT come from? CRT was first, um, actually it was first um, adopted during the Nazi era in Germany at the Frankfurt School. It was called critical theory at that time and it has since evolved and been expanded on. And um, it's been promoted within our own government for many years. And most recently in, um, in the last 10 years or so, um, we have something called the 1619 Project, which has been, 1619 Project didn't start 10 years ago, but it's been building up to this. And um, as the story goes, in 1619, the first slaves were sold to the Jamestown colony. Um, they were <clears throat> Angolan, which is obviously a, um, a country in Africa. Uh, they were sold to the uh, Jamestown colonists um, for in trade for food uh, from uh, Portuguese slave traders. And although most of the, those original um, slaves were not technically slaves, they, they became indentured servants who many of whom earned their freedom because they fit into, you know, neatly into the definition of um, slave in 21st century vernacular, that's when, um, that's when the, uh, the writers of the 1619 project decided uh, really the history of slavery in the new, new world began. It is a tribute to the brainchild of um, New York Times Magazine writer, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and she's not alone. Um, but um, she's really the spearhead of this 1619 project. This, uh, this project was launched in 2019. And what it is really is, is a compilation of stories and again, articles um, and journal entries and so forth of the slavery experience from the perspective of slaves. And, and I would pause right here to say, I think that is a very, that's an incredibly noble and it's a great idea. I believe that the story of slavery and the story of um, our country should be taught from all perspectives. Because if you truly want to teach from all perspectives, what you're gonna find out is that there is, 
there's a whole story that has not been told um, from the abolitionists standpoint. There were people who dedicated their lives, white people and people of all colors, who dedicated their lives, joined, you know, linked arms with freed slaves or um, slaves who had um, escaped slavery and worked tirelessly and made incredible sacrifices and were, were um, persecuted for their desire to end slavery, for their work in ending slavery. Um, that story needs to be told. And then like in my own family, um, the stories of families in the Civil War who lost, um, who lost multiple family members, um, their story needs to be told and the suffering that those families went through to see that slavery was done away with in this, in this country. It was that their freedom was bought with the human blood of many white people. And, and the, among those were my, my family members. Um, one family uh, in my direct line lost three family members, their father and two sons, and a third son fought and met, made it through the civil war. Uh, but their that, that was devastated that family and um, impoverished them for a couple of generations. It's important to tell those stories. So back to the 1619 project. This is the byline of the book of, of the 1619 project. I'll just, I'll just read the byline. The 1619 project is the New York Times Magazine's, New York Times Magazine's award-winning re reframing of American history that placed slavery and its continuing legacy at the center of our national narrative. It wasn't <clears throat> a part of the story. It was the story, like nothing else was happening. The project, which was initially launched in August of 2019, offered a revealing new origin story for the United States, one that helped explain not only the persistence of anti-Black racism and inequality in America, American life today, but also the roots of so much of what makes the country unique which I would ask is, are they really trying to find out what is unique about America or what is uniquely racist about America? So here, here's, the thing. here's the thing that kind of amuses me about this entire narrative today. To hear them speak, to hear them talk, it's almost as if nobody has ever heard of slavery until now, right? I mean, you would, you would think, that this was one of the best kept secrets of American history that uh, that slavery happened, and we never knew. It it was it was simply uh, you know swept under the rug, and nobody ever knew that there was like Jim Crow laws before, or that there was um, you know the horrific things that happened uh, until the sixteen nineteen project, and then all of a sudden we're all going oh wow. Are, are you kidding me? We had slaves in America and that the story's never been told. There's never, there was never roots. Roots never happened. I don't know whether anybody ever saw that uh, TV series back in the seventies, uh, but we were all riveted to it. Um, there's been such a plethora of, of media attention of all kinds of artwork, all kinds of books and movies, documentaries that have happened all of my life, and when I was in school, I watched movies about it. There was we uh, film strips about slavery and 
also the heroes, the black heroes like George Washington Carver was one of my, I was fascinated by George Washington Carver and Harriet Tubman. And there's just been a lot, but to hear these people talk, it's like, we never knew. We never knew until just recently that slavery actually occurred in this country. So anyway, yes, slavery happened. It is a, it's a horrific stain on our, on our country. Uh, we wish it could have been abolished. The, most of the founding fathers would, would have abolished it at the writing of the Constitution or even at the, at the Declaration of Independence. Many people malign Thomas Jefferson and say that he was you know, just the grossest of hypocrites for writing in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal. Actually, what Thomas Jefferson was doing was trying to bring up the standard. He was trying to help people see what he believed. He believed that all men are created equal. And he was trying to tell people, let's meet this standard. Okay, he was trying to urge his fellow delegates at the, um, at the Philadelphia Convention, let's, let's elevate our standards. Let's make all people equal. But that's not how he's gone down in history because that's not the narrative that's being promoted. It's easier to say that our founding fathers were a bunch of racist bigots and so forth. Here's the thing, as terrible as slavery was, uh, as far as our American history, because slavery still happens, there's probably more slaves now than there ever has been, uh, even percentage-wise per capita than there ever has been in the history of the world, but I digress. Um, even though slavery was a terrible stain, it was not the way it's portrayed, okay? There were black slave owners. Blacks had, had plantations in British, the British Caribbean, there were black plantation holders who bought Irish slaves and Chinese slaves and American Indian slaves and Mexican slaves. There were slaves, there were slave owners of every color, uh, everywhere, all over the world. This was not a white on black problem. Whites brought, bought whites, okay? Slavery was <clears throat> as gross as it sounds to us today. It, it was just a, it was a way of life. And we are not going to ever get anywhere having an attitude of presentism where we judge others in the past by our present moral standards. It, 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 it's a dead end. And it's just an excuse to, to judge and to hate and to cancel all the things we see happening today. This doesn't give us any excuse. I'm not using this as an excuse that slavery <clears throat> was not restricted to you know, white on black. What I'm saying is that to make this be the basis for the new racism, for the, uh, for the punishment of whites, for, for collective white guilt, um, it's just never going to fly. I am not going to accept guilt, a collective guilt because of the color of my skin. 
That's never going to happen. All this is doing is setting us up for more virulent, more entrenched tribalism, and it is not going to solve problems in our society. The bottom line with CRT is that it's just another form of Marxism, and most people are saying, this is, this is not my idea, this, this is just the way it is. Marxism's whole basis is oppressor and oppressed. And that's all that this is. By declaring all whites to be racist systemically by all of our institutions being systemically racist, including religion, particularly Christianity, uh, all we do is fall into the Marxist paradigm. So I'll just go back again to the basis for CRT was it began in the Frankfurt School back in 1923, even, even pre-Nazism. It was a it was a school in Germany dedicated to the study of Marxism and critical theory, which was what it was called at the time. This isn't a debatable opinion. This isn't a conspiracy theory. Just do a little bit of research. I'm not going to go into all the particulars. Um, it's easy to find. It's established fact, just historical fact. Here's the, here's the bottom line. In CRT, if you are white, you are a racist. It's inherent in your skin color. It's in your DNA. There's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is apologize. You cannot view another race as anything but inferior to yourself. And whether you know it or not, you act on that superiority in unconscious ways that harm people of color. It is inherent in your skin color. It is systemic. And it is systemic in anything that's ever been established or created or formulated by a white person. So not only is every moment that a white person lives a racist moment, all of the white moments that have ever been lived are racist moments collectively. So anything that any white person has ever done is, is a racist moment and it must be undone. Cannot be accepted because it has to be viewed through the fact that whatever you were doing as a white person, whatever anybody was ever doing as a white person is racist. If we, if we believe that, then we have to go all the way back to the roots of white belief in Christianity, all the way back to, to Genesis, which is not an invention of white people, but it was embraced by white people and it was codified into law. So all law, which was established based on the Judeo-Christian code, has to go. It's racist. So to accept CRT in its theoretical sense and its what comes of it, okay, what, what follows, if you say everything is racist, everything ever, anything ever done by race, the law, religion, art, literature, architecture, anything ever done by a white person is racist, then all American culture 
everything that is America has to go. It has to be deconstructed and reconstructed from that perspective. And the natural follow, the natural thing that follows with that is to say that in order to nullify all white normalness, you have to do away with all whites or at least a majority of them and the rest of them need to be kept in a place that will never uh, allow their whiteness and their, their racism to surface. They have to be kept a minority so that they cannot promote superiority. Bottom line, since you cannot do your race, undo your racism as a white person, you've got to go. You can't be allowed to, to you can't be allowed to continue your culture. And friends, this is what our children are learning in school. This is what the public school is not just promoting, but actively systemically teaching our children, whether you have a child in school or not, this is really all that matters aside from transgenderism. Okay, transgenderism, um, homosexualism, alternative lifestyles. White children are being taught to feel guilty for their skin color. And black children are being taught that they are systemically being oppressed by white children. Black children and children of color are being told that they cannot escape the racism of this culture. If you believe that this is going to cure racism, then you shouldn't listen to any more of, of my podcast or watch any more, right? Because this is not going to cure racism. I, I promise this is not going to be what helps our society to progress. It's just not. So here's the test. If you believe that your child is not being taught this, I challenge you to go and talk to them about it. I, I challenge you to ask them the question like, honey, do you believe that your whiteness makes you a racist? Honey, do you believe that America is a systemically racist country that no matter what we do, we, we are oppressing? people of color. Do you believe that as a white person, you should feel guilty for slavery? Go ahead. I give you, I, I would give it a try. I would just have a sit down with your child and ask some of those questions and see what they tell you. That's going to be, that's going to be a very interesting conversation for you. I hope that the answers to those questions are no then you've done your job as a parent. If any of those questions are yes, or if there's any pushback, I would really seriously consider getting more informed about what's going on at your school. And you may be okay with that. There may be lots of reasons why you believe that by debasing white culture, you are actually promoting or raising the cultures of people of color and that that's a good thing. And if that's, if that's you, then keep your kids in public school. That's what you should do. So here's, here's also the bottom line. We have been looking at race and trying to deal with it for what, 157 years. And we have not been able to erase racism totally because people are human, right? People have 
human weaknesses and things that they need to overcome. There are pockets, there are persons, there are areas or organizations that continue to promote racism. But the truth is we're not going to get rid of it unless we have an actual honest conversation about it. Martin Luther King Jr. started that conversation, but it's been discarded and we need to, we need to revive it. We need to truly bring him back the classic anti-racist because obviously as we're seeing racism is not restricted to white people. Racism means that you believe your race should be the superior race. If it is not, it should be. And right now, the proponents of CRT believe that their race deserves now to be the superior race, that they should uh, have their turn. They won't say it that way, but that's what they mean. So in conclusion, in my opinion, the only thing the only logical conclusion to true, truly being an anti-racist is to return to the standard of colorblindness. It's the only thing that will truly eradicate it. And if that is really the desire of Ibram X. Kendi and Nicole Hannah-Jones, then they will come to that conclusion as well. But I don't think that is really what they want. Racial tensions are not going to go away because white people admit that racism is in their DNA. It's only going to embitter them and enrage them and cause continuing widening division and tribalism in our society. But maybe that's the logical conclusion after all. Mm -hmm.